Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. She was scared it could be skin cancer. Nature's deadliest organisms. We were both pretty devastated. We both knew it was way too early. They hijack our bodies. The pain became more intense than I'd ever felt it before. Disable our immune systems. Oh my gosh, there might not even be a cure for it. And eat us from within. It was hard because I had to ask her if she was alive. <laughs> for those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Barrett Ortank and his partner, Tammy Dingy, are from the Southern California city of Torrance. Tammy would say that we're very much opposites. I'm kind of like, hey, just throw it in there, and then we'll figure it out later. She's more, hey, let's have a plan for this. We do balance each other out. I'm very conservative. He's not. I have a lot of anxiety. He's not afraid of anything. Barrett is a former paratrooper who is happiest when he's exploring the world. I have been to South Africa, Uganda, Kenya, Costa Rica, Mexico, and I've been to all 50 states. At times, Barrett's partner Tammy worries about his love of the wilderness. He wants to see the entire world. He will be gone for days and not have water or food. But an unforeseen threat is about to halt Barrett dead in his tracks. One December morning, after returning from a trip abroad, Barrett is at home in bed asleep. I love travel. I think everybody should travel. I just recently went to Peru. I was backpacking. The day after I got back, I woke up in bed. But as Barrett sits up, he notices a strange sensation. I felt my legs were very itchy and irritated. So as I pulled back the covers to look what was going on, I saw multiple bites on my legs. I thought that I had been bitten by something at night. But as Barrett is scratching his legs, he disturbs his partner, Tammy. 
And I asked, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm itching. I got bit or something. They were kind of like hives. And they're just all over his ankles and legs. I'm like, you look like you have a disease. You're definitely going to the doctor. I thought she was worrying too much. I figured it would just go away in time. But three days later, the markings are still there. And as Barrett is doing some yard work, his symptoms suddenly get worse. Because the sun was out, I was sweating. I was covered in dirt and sweat. It went from being an annoying itch to more of a burn. Maybe they were just getting irritated because of the dirt and sweat. I was concerned that the bites weren't getting better. Around three days, they really weren't going away. So the next day, Barrett finally takes Tammy's advice and goes to see his primary care physician. I wore shorts so that it would be easier for her to look at the bites. She put gloves on and rubbed her fingers over the bites and pressed on a couple of them and asked me if they hurt. The doctor said it just looked like regular bites. She didn't know why it was burning or why it was lasting so long, but she was confident that it would go away with time. And she did give me a pain reliever to help me with the burning and itching. Barrett takes the medication, and within a few days, the marks on his legs have disappeared. But then, two weeks later, Barrett is at a martial arts class when he gets a nasty surprise. I was back in the locker room. Just then, he notices a new mark. I thought, hey, it might just be a little pimple on my wrist. I went to the sink, and I popped it, and then I washed my hands really well. I didn't think much of it. When I got home from the gym, Tammy was preparing dinner. She right away noticed the red mark. It looked like a disgusting, gross pimple, like a, like a whitehead. It was really, really gross. And um, I go, it looks like it's infected. She immediately said, I want you to get it checked out. I was obviously thinking, it's just a little pimple. It's no big deal. But over the next few weeks, Barrett notices the spot on his wrist is getting worse. And eventually, it starts affecting his regular workout routine. I was doing pull-ups. And as I began to pull myself up to the bar, I had this excruciating pain in my arm. It felt very tight and immediately dropped down from the bar and stopped doing the pull-up. I extended it so that I could see what was going on and I saw a huge elevated cord in my arm. To see something like that and not know what it was was a very scary feeling. Barrett cuts his workout short. But a few days later, the growth on his wrist hasn't healed. And when Barrett's father comes for a visit, he immediately notices. At this time, it was about the size of a penny. My dad said I needed to go get it checked out, either go to the emergency room or go to the doctor. That was the first time I began to worry because my dad isn't really a crybaby. By now, it's been about two months since Barrett first went to the doctor. But on his dad's advice, he goes back for a second visit. She looked at my right wrist. It actually began to elevate. It turned bright red, and it actually started to look much more like a wound and the doctor has a theory what it could be. She was scared it could be skin cancer. 
also known as melanoma. Skin cancer is the abnormal growth of skin cells. Typically, it develops on skin exposed to the sun, and if not caught quickly, it can be fatal. That was definitely scary because I am really light-skinned, and people have always told me my entire life to put on sunscreen, be careful in the sun, and because I live such an adventurous life, I thought, oh man, maybe this is skin cancer. Just the word cancer, you hear that, and you kind of think, oh no. The doctor refers Barrett to a dermatologist. And to Barrett's relief, he appears convinced of one thing. He looked at the wound and immediately told me to relax that it wasn't skin cancer. But the doctor has no idea what it could be. I was relieved on one level, but on another level, I was much more concerned. If my first doctor didn't know what it was, and this doctor doesn't know what it is, then what the heck could it be? For the past few months, Barrett Ortega has had a mysterious growth on his wrist. But his doctors are baffled, and Barrett's beginning to panic. Now, Barrett's dermatologist orders a biopsy of the growth. He said he would have the results in about a week, and he would call me and let me know what he found. This is not something that, that he can treat because it's not a normal type of rash or infection. We kind of panicked. For the next week, Barrett tries to go about his normal routine, but he's constantly anxious. It felt like a million years waiting for the results of the biopsy from the dermatologist. To make matters worse, the growth on his wrist keeps getting bigger. It actually grew from the size of about a dime to the size of a quarter. The wound itself looked just like a crater that you would see in a volcano. A week later, Barrett gets a call from the dermatologist. To his dismay, the results of his biopsy are inconclusive. The dermatologist didn't know exactly what it was, and he felt that an infectious disease doctor would be more equipped to handle it. Barrett's case is now taken over by infectious disease specialist, Dr. Arik Gregson. When I first saw Barrett, uh, he was growing impatient with a persistent lesion on his arm. Uh, almost looks like a, a pizza crust with a marinara sauce on it. And then marching up his arm were uh, subcutaneous nodules along the lymphatics. Dr. Gregson has spent 15 years studying tropical diseases and instantly recognizes what the infection could be. This actually is a serious illness. The lesion on Barrett's wrist isn't just horrible to look at, it's alive. I thought that uh, Barrett's wound was very typical of cutaneous leishmaniasis. Never heard of it. I couldn't even pronounce it. Cutaneous leishmaniasis is a disease caused by the parasite leishmania. Inside Barrett's body, the parasite feeds on his white blood cells, reproduces, then spreads to new areas of the skin, leading to Barrett's painful ulcerations. Just made me wonder, how could I get an organism in my body? What could I have done to, to contract something like that? There are over 20 species of leishmania parasite. Some only infect the skin and result in mild symptoms. However, the more aggressive strains can spread to other parts of the body, like the mucous membranes and eventually even the vital organs. 
If the parasite takes hold in these areas, it can be extremely hard to treat and lead to severe consequences. Disturbingly for Barrett, Dr. Gregson believes that he has contracted one of the most dangerous forms of the disease. Barrett had uh, Leishmania brasiliensis. Brasiliensis is a species of Leishmania that can disseminate and cause mucocutaneous disease. A form of disseminated disease where the parasite has left the skin and gone to our mucocutaneous areas such as uh, the oral cavity and the nasal cavity, which then can, in fact, be life-threatening. Barrett and Tammy are horrified. That was really scary because I didn't know where that could end. What's the extent of the damage that this parasite can do? Oh my gosh, it's eating your blood cells. There might not even be a cure for it. So how did Barrett contract leishmaniasis? The leishmania parasite is transmitted to humans by the female sandfly. Sandflies are found in tropical areas around the world. When an infected sandfly bites a human, it injects the parasite under the skin. The parasite then continues its life cycle by feeding on its host's immune cells. Leishmania is not endemic in the United States, so where were you that you could have gotten this? Four months prior, I had been on a backpacking trip to Peru. Barrett, uh, while in the Peruvian Amazon, was bitten up and down by bugs. Many of these bugs were clearly sand flies and infected him with uh, Leishmania. Dr. Gregson provides a month-long course of a special medication. Pentastam is one of the drugs of choice for treating Leishmania. But the drug is not widely available here in the U.S. I am the only physician in Los Angeles that has uh, a um, protocol from the CDC to dispense Pentastam. Pentastam's not approved in the United States because there's little need for the drug in the United States. There's no financial incentive for a company to bring it to the United States, hold the license and sell it. We hope that after therapy with the Pentastam, Barrett will experience no further relapses of the Leishmania and that he will be fully cured. We're about a quarter of the way through the treatment. Unfortunately, I still can't work, and it still is painful, and my arm needs time to loosen up so that I can use my arm fully. But I'm feeling pretty good. I'm very positive that I'll be cured with this drug. It's not gonna stop him from taking another trip. In the rainforest or mountains or snow or rocks, or he'll be out there. There is no vaccine for leishmaniasis, so experts recommend reducing the risk of exposure in endemic areas by covering bare skin, sleeping with a mosquito net, using deep-based insect repellent, and staying inside from dusk until dawn. Some microscopic parasites, like leishmania, need a vector, like a sandfly, in order to infiltrate our bodies. But others can infect us all by themselves, as one woman is about to find out. I felt incredibly isolated, uncared for. I felt defeated. San Diego, California is home to Jackie Dean. I love living in San Diego. Weather's perfect, lots to do. I can go to the beach and be in the mountains the same day. Jackie works as a registered nurse. I love helping people and reassuring them that they're going to be okay. When she's not taking care of people, Jackie loves looking after animals. I've got three dogs and two cats. 
and they're all rescues. It's a passion she shares with her mom, Sue. Both of our lives really are based around our, our animals. I love to spend time with my mom. She lives about two hours away, so we get together as much as we can. But this caregiver is about to have a medical emergency of her own. It's a sunny, warm day in October. Jackie is traveling through Mexico with a group of doctors and nurses. We're going to Mexicali to do a medical mission to help children with facial deformities. But midway into the journey, Jackie begins to feel unwell. I started to have abdominal cramping and pain. Jackie wonders if she drank something that's disagreeing with her. I had a tendency to be lactose intolerant, so I thought my stomach was reacting to the milk and the coffee, and I assumed it was going to pass. But as the journey continues, the pain in Jackie's stomach only gets worse. It felt there was knives in my abdomen, and they would stab and turn every minute or two. For the next few hours, Jackie remains in the van before eventually getting a ride back to San Diego, where she heads straight for the emergency room. The doctor pushed on my abdomen to look for different signs, if it's appendicitis or if it's gallbladder, if it's ovarian. Based on the exam, the doctor suspects Jackie is suffering from a common condition. The doctor was suspicious I had kidney stones. Kidney stones are hard deposits of minerals and salt that form within the kidneys as the stones pass out of the bladder and into the urethra. They cause severe abdominal pain, vomiting, and difficulty urinating. To investigate further, the doctor orders an x-ray. The x-ray didn't show any evidence of kidney stones. His suspicion was I had passed a kidney stone the evening before. So the doctor recommended that I take pain medication and antibiotics and get lots of fluids. For the next few days, Jackie takes the medication. I started to have less pain. I started to feel more like myself. Then the following week, Jackie is working a shift at the hospital when suddenly everything comes to a crashing halt. I was getting prepared for discharging a patient and I just felt really dizzy, like I was gonna pass out. I felt unsafe to continue practicing medicine with my patients. Over the next several days, Jackie continues to feel dizzy and her abdominal pain returns. I couldn't stand up without getting unsteady on my feet. I felt like I had the worst flu ever. Concerned she could be suffering from more than a kidney stone, Jackie schedules an appointment with a urologist. He took my history, he looked at my urine, and there were red blood cells in the urine. Blood in the urine can often point to a serious internal problem, so the doctor uses a scope to take a closer look inside Jackie's urinary tract. They were white ulcer-type spots in my bladder, and he concluded that that was because of interstitial cystitis. Interstitial cystitis is a chronic irritation of the bladder that can lead to extreme pelvic pain and frequent urination. 
I felt pretty devastated. There's no cure for interstitial cystitis. There's treatment that can help with the symptoms, but there's no cure at this time. The doctor gave me a medication called Pentacin Sodium. Jackie goes home. And that night, she calls her mother, Sue, who lives in Canada. With me being so many miles away from her, it was really hard for me to know that she was in so much pain and there was really nothing I could do. Over the next several weeks, Jackie faithfully takes her prescribed medications. Then one night, as she's trying to sleep, everything comes to a head. I wasn't feeling well, and the, the pain became more intense than I'd ever felt it before. I felt like there was knives inside of me. Then I felt the urgent need to urinate right now. But as Jackie is about to flush the toilet, she gets the shock of her life. I noticed there was some blood, but there was also these twig-looking pieces they were like a reddish-brown color and big enough that I could take it out of the, the toilet. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There was some blood, but there was also these twig-looking pieces. That afternoon, Jackie brings one of the twig-like pieces to her urologist. But the doctor can't be sure what the fragments are. He said he thought that it could have been because the toilet wasn't clean. 
he thought that my continuous symptoms were from the interstitial cystitis. I was very frustrated. I knew I wasn't imagining these things in my urine. Once I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis, it seemed that was the answer that they went to rather than investigating further. Over the next few years, Jackie's condition begins to spiral downwards. The amount of pain was not conducive to having friendships. I felt incredibly isolated, lonely, alone, unsupported, uncared for. <laughs> I felt um, defeated. Jackie's mom, Sue, is concerned about the length of time her daughter's been enduring her symptoms. So she comes down from Canada to take care of her. When I first saw her, I, I was really in shock at how sick she really looked. She was very ashen. Finally, Jackie becomes so desperate that she decides to take matters into her own hands. She begins researching her symptoms online and comes across some interesting information. This urologist said that he never diagnoses interstitial cystitis without ruling out pelvic floor disorders, endometriosis, along with a couple of other things that he felt could contribute to that diagnosis. I had a big light bulb go off in my head. The next morning, Jackie makes an appointment with her doctor. My primary physician was always very compassionate when I asked him to test me for these different pathologies, he was happy to do it. The test results rule out endometriosis, as well as a number of pelvic floor disorders. But there was one particular test that came back positive. Following years of severe abdominal cramps, Jackie Dean was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis but she became convinced it was something else. And now a physician might have identified the true cause of her agony. Jackie doesn't have a chronic illness. Rather, her body is harboring a deadly invader. The doctor told me I had a parasitic infection called schizosomiasis. I never thought in a million years it could be a parasitic infection. I was terrified. Schistosomiasis is a life-threatening disease caused by parasitic worms. Inside Jackie's body, the worms nest and mate in her blood vessels. There, they release eggs, some of which lodge in the bladder and intestines, leading to Jackie's crippling pain, fatigue, and bleeding. When schistosoma eggs become lodged in organ tissues, the immune system responds by encasing them in a hard shell of specialized cells called a granuloma. Over time, the granulomas build up and cause inflammation, which in turn can lead to organ failure and ultimately even death. Dr. Patrick Ocolo is a gastroenterologist who's done extensive research on schistosomiasis and knows how hard it can be to diagnose. Schistosomiasis is a great masquerader because of its ability to produce different clinical conditions in, in, in someone. And so in the bladder, it could potentially uh, behave like interstitial cystitis. And the twig-like structures Jackie saw in her urine could have been fragments of blood. Jackie is prescribed a powerful antiparasitic medication called Praziquantel. 
I took three pills every four hours, so it was 12 hours of treatment for six and a half years of agony. But as Jackie slowly recovers, she's left to wonder how she became infected with such a devastating parasite. Schistosoma is found in fresh water, so lakes, rivers, etc. In Africa, in Indonesia, and in the Americas. During a cruise that I went on, we went cave tubing in Belize. And when I went to go research whether or not this parasitic infection was endemic there, it had a red flag warning. Schistosomiasis is sometimes called snail fever because schistosoma larvae incubate inside several different species of freshwater snail. But eventually, the larvae leave the snails and begin looking for their preferred host, humans. Once they find a victim, the larvae penetrate the skin and enter the body. Today, Jackie is still dealing with the residual effects of her infection. I have numbness and tingling in my legs that hasn't completely resolved. I also can have bladder pain on occasion if I eat the wrong thing. But Jackie has found some positives from her ordeal. I think this experience taught me self-care because I absolutely couldn't do anything else but relax and take care of myself. I love seeing my daughter the way she used to be before she was sick. She smiles all the time and she's back to her old self now. Health experts think that worldwide, there are close to 67 million new cases of schistosomiasis every year. And according to the CDC, in terms of impact, that makes it second only to malaria in terms of devastating parasitic diseases. When visiting endemic areas, it's advisable to avoid swimming or wading in lakes or rivers, drink only filtered water, and boil bathing water for at least a minute. Some monsters can make life a living hell, while others threaten to take away the most precious thing we have. It's probably the hardest moment of my life to tell you that you might lose your child. Michelle and Dave Patrick live in Fishers, Indiana. They've been married for 17 years. Michelle and I met at Indiana University. We studied together and sort of just had a mutual friendship. Just kept going from there. What I love most about Dave is he's there for me when I need him. He supports me in whatever I choose to do. Dave works as a logistics manager while Michelle is in retail. I am a store manager at a national chain. I typically work 50 to 55 hours a week. Michelle works very different hours, constantly finding that balance. But an unexpected threat will throw this couple's finely tuned life into chaos. September 2011. Dave and Michelle are relaxing at home. Michelle is six months pregnant with their second child. We found out the baby was going to be a girl, um, so you know, I was excited to have a, a second daughter. But as the evening wears on, Michelle feels a strange sensation. As we're watching TV, I started feeling cold. I got a sweatshirt, put a sweatshirt on. But Michelle can't stop shivering. So I went to the closet and got her a, a blanket and put it around her. And I went ahead and made her some tea. 
My head, my arms, my upper body felt like it was really cold. I was hoping that I was just tired or possibly getting a cold. At that point, I wasn't too worried, so I just decided to go to bed. But two days later, Michelle's cold symptoms have gotten worse. That night, as I was preparing dinner, I felt an intense pressure across my forehead, headache like I've never felt before. Concerned, Dave asks Michelle if she feels okay. I really thought she was coming down with the flu. Over the next two days, Michelle continues to have flu-like symptoms. Then one night, with her husband Dave out of town, things come to a head. I was having night sweats. I was actually was hot, but my body was telling me I was freezing. I don't think I've ever felt that sick ever in my entire life. I felt weak, tired, kind of disoriented. Being pregnant, I should have gone to the hospital right then. Instead, Michelle opts to wait for her next doctor's appointment in a few days' time. She manages to get through the night. And the next morning, she goes to work. As I was walking around doing the store tour, I was feeling sharp pains in my abdomen. The pain was so intense, it stopped me in my tracks. They felt like contractions. It really hurt. Honestly, I had no idea what it was. I thought perhaps the baby was just moving or the baby was just uncomfortable. Despite her discomfort, Michelle finishes out her day at work. Then a few days later, during a prenatal checkup appointment, she mentions the incident. I brought all my concerns to my doctor. I also told her about the aches I had been having in my upper belly. The doctor tells Michelle that she may have experienced a phenomenon known as Braxton Hicks. Braxton Hicks contractions are mild abdominal cramps which typically occur during the second and third trimesters of pregnancy. Although usually not considered serious, they can be indications of preterm labor. After examining Michelle and noting her other symptoms, the doctor diagnoses a case of the flu. She told me to drink more water, work a little bit less each day, and wear a special support pantyhose and gave me a prescription for my headaches. Finally, the doctor performs an ultrasound exam. When she did the ultrasound, the baby appeared normal and did not appear in distress. Michelle is relieved. In the back of your mind, you're always concerned when you're pregnant, when something's not feeling right. So I figured, okay, I'll just go home and rest, and I'll be better the next couple of days. Over the next week, Michelle continues to experience intermittent flu-like symptoms. So in the middle of the week, she takes a much-needed day off. When I'm off work, Madison would stay home from school. I call it Mommy Madison Day. So we had planned to spend the day doing something fun. But today, Michelle is feeling out of sorts. I felt bad for Madison. She kept asking, Mom, aren't we going to go do something fun? So I decided that I would take her to get her nails done. Soon after, Michelle and Madison arrive at their local nail salon. I figured I could relax in the chair and soak my feet and just, just relax. I was sitting in the chair and I started feeling intense pain like I've never had before, like contractions, like very, very painful. And they started to be about five minutes apart. The pain was like so intense, I couldn't even sit up. I was doubled over. Michelle realizes that these contractions are more than just Braxton Hicks. So she calls her doctor's office. 
They told me to go straight to the ER. A distraught Michelle calls Dave. This was the first I really knew something was pretty serious. She was crying and, and having contractions, and you could hear the, the concern in her voice. Dave fetches Michelle and brings her to the ER, where a medical team examines her. They realized that I was three centimeters dilated. I knew something was definitely wrong at that point. Doctors realize Michelle is in early labor, but are baffled by what is triggering it. Because Michelle is pregnant, her case is assigned to a pediatric specialist, Dr. Christopher Belcher. As a pediatric infectious disease doctor, I take care of children with severe or unusual infections. While Dr. Belcher establishes the cause of Michelle's early labor, another medical team tries to manage her symptoms. They immediately gave me some shots to try to stop the contractions. I did a test on the amniotic fluid to see what was wrong. Within the hour, the results come back. They determined that I had some type of infection. The infection was so bad that the baby had to come. Neonatologist tells you the baby will not survive if you don't have the baby tonight, immediately. It's probably the hardest moment in my life to tell you that you might lose your child. We were both pretty devastated. We both knew it was way too early. With no time to lose, Michelle is rushed into delivery. Within 10 minutes, she was born, but there was no sound. She didn't cry, and I didn't know if she was alive. It was hard, because I had to ask her if she was alive, because she didn't make any noise. They said that she was alive, but you would hear the baby cry right literally within a few, few seconds when they come out. It was hard. The medical team immediately places the newborn baby in the neonatal intensive care unit. Probably, you know, of all the things in my life, you're trying to be strong and comfort your wife, and but in the back of your mind, you're just as, as scared as she was. Was the baby going to live? Michelle and Dave Patrick's daughter has been born 10 weeks prematurely. Now, doctors must race to discover the cause and save the baby's life. Dr. Belcher orders a round of blood tests to determine the source of the infection. And right away, the tests reveal something alarming. There was a bacteria growing. Anytime we get called with a blood culture that's growing bacteria, that can lead to sepsis. It can be life-threatening and sometimes in a matter of hours. With their daughter's life hanging in the balance, Michelle and Dave are desperate to see her. 24 hours after she is born, they finally get their chance. You're thinking, wow, I mean, that's my child hooked up to all those machines. It was heartbreaking. Even though they're still in shock, Michelle and Dave have reached one important decision. I just thought it was, you know, at the time it was important to at least give the, give the baby a name, just in case if she doesn't make it, she would have a name. We like the name Kendall. The next day, Dr. Belcher goes to see Michelle. The results of the bacterial testing are in, and he now has a definitive diagnosis. The test results confirm that it was listeria. Michelle is stunned. 
I had heard of listeria, but I didn't really know the full implications from it. Listeria is a foodborne bacterial illness. Inside Michelle's body, the infection has triggered her flu-like symptoms and her premature labor. But the greatest risk is not to Michelle, but to her newborn daughter. Healthy people rarely become ill from listeria. Those who are at risk usually have some form of compromised immunity, such as the sick or the elderly, and most of all, pregnant women who are 20 times more likely to contract the disease. If an expectant mother becomes infected, the bacteria can infiltrate the bloodstream of the fetus and then spread to its other organs. And if it gets into the brain, it can cause meningitis or encephalitis, both of which can be fatal. But how did Michelle contract listeria? I had no idea how I got it, no. I thought, what could I have eaten that would have caused it? Listeria is found in many agricultural environments, like soil, manure, and water. The bacteria are amazingly resilient, so if they come into contact with any food products, from deli meats to unpasteurized dairy, they can be very hard to get rid of. They can even survive refrigeration, which kills many other bacteria. Dr. Belcher believes that Michelle's listeria infection arose from something Michelle never would have thought of. The CDC was investigating an outbreak of listeria, which seemed to be tied to cantaloupes. In the end, it turned out over 30 people died and over 150 were identified as becoming ill from exposure to these particular cantaloupes that were spreading listeria. Michelle is shocked. I eat cantaloupe a lot. You try to eat better and you want to be more healthy and think about it. An investigation eventually confirms that her listeria was as a result of the same outbreak. Michelle is stunned to learn what caused her to almost lose her baby. Cantaloupes are dangerous because if you have bacteria on the outside, it's porous and it soaks into it. So when you cut it with a knife, it gets on the melon itself. There's nothing you can do to wash it off. Dr. Belcher prescribes a combination of antibiotics to treat Kendall's infection. It's around a two-week treatment of antibiotics. For the next week, Michelle and Dave watch anxiously from the sidelines as their daughter battles for survival. But Kendall amazes everyone by making steady progress. And by the time she's finished the medication, she's able to come home. Today, Kendall is a healthy and happy little girl. Bobbies. Kendall has overcome just about everything. She is super outgoing, and I am very proud of her. The experience has given Kendall's parents, Michelle and Dave, a new perspective on the world. Life is terrific. It's, uh, everyone's healthy. Everything's great. I think if there's a miracle, that, that she truly was one and she has overcome more than what we ever thought she could. I love my mommy and daddy. I'm a lucky girl. To minimize the chances of contracting listeria, meat, poultry, and seafood should be cooked to a safe internal temperature. Raw produce should be rinsed thoroughly before eating. Extra care should be taken when handling fruits with a rough or porous exterior which could trap the bacteria. And hands, knives, and cutting boards should be washed after preparing uncooked foods.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.